Hello and welcome to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply, where we talk to support professionals from all over the world and discuss what's behind their team's success. This interview is brought to you by Nice Reply, an all-in-one customer satisfaction tool that helps you measure and improve the quality of your customer service. My name is Craig Stoss, and I'm here today with Charlotte Ward, the head of support at Snowplow Analytics and the founder of CustomerSupportLeaders.com. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, Craig. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Charlotte, your area of focus when you joined Snowplow Analytics was on kind of process improvement. And I know you've done this a lot in your career from our previous conversations. So why don't we start with explaining to our listeners, you know, where do you start with process improvement? How do you know where to focus your energy? Well, I think that it's really easy, particularly when you go into a role to figure I, I know what support looks like. I know what I need to change here, right? And uh, I think that um, if you just head in with your own assumptions about what what you presume to be wrong, I, I think that you're going to hit trouble pretty quickly. I would say for me, the key to starting with process improvement is taking your own experience and using that to identify key big gaps, but then also really bearing in mind that there are gaps that you don't know about and I think for me, that's a really key part of this. It's like understanding that you're bringing your own experience and your own um, your own understanding of what's worked and what hasn't worked. It doesn't, it, and it won't all necessarily apply to the role that you've, you're you're beginning or the role that you're in now. But but also, there's a whole bunch of other gaps that everyone else around you already knows. They're already feeling the pain. And that's where I begin. I begin to think about what can I immediately spot, but also what pain do those around me feel and how do we get those conversations going? So once you've started these conversations, you, you've interviewed your, your peers or your team and tried to find those, those um, gaps, what's next? So you found a gap. How do you start to even begin to solve the problem that you found? Well, I think it's a matter of prioritizing and you can bring any number of factors to bear on how you prioritize and where you focus your energy. I think for me, there are factors around the pain that individuals feel. It's a bit of a nebulous concept. It's a bit immeasurable, but everyone's pretty good at expressing their pain. What slows them down in a day? What What's just awkward? What do they do they know? could be better because they'll probably also know how to make it better. But then also on top of that, you have kind of economic and fiscal <laughs> levers that, that you might have to pull, right? And you also have uh, things around like time and um, maybe adherence and things like that. All of these factors that you can bring to bear in terms of how you prioritize a a gap, how you prioritize filling that gap, right? And I think that what you have to do are identify the priorities of each of those factors and understand how they play off against each other. And in terms of every gap that you identify, you approach it with that mindset. Is this worth doing? Is the pain or the monetary or the functional improvement that I'll get from this worth the time? It's basically an ROI conversation that you have to have with yourself isn't it it's like is this worth doing then it's is it worth doing now or is it just worth doing at some point and that that's the kind of questions I'm constantly asking myself yeah it makes sense to prioritize based on um, based on a perceived ROI or a calculated ROI but your goals might differ from other functions in the company or or the executives of the company so so what happens if there's a disagreement or how do you get that buy-in 
um, when you discover the ROI of, of a gap and, and choose to, to pursue the, the solution? I don't think this is necessarily any different from figuring out how your team relates to any other part of the business, any other big business function, whether we're talking about process improvement or anything else you want to achieve within your team or help your business achieve, right? The, the way that you relate to other parts of the business has to do with figuring out how you can talk the same language. And it's about, I think, figuring out, I always talk about this, figuring out what the measures of success are for the parts of the business that you have to relate to or want to work with. And once you figure out what their measures of success are, and by that, I mean, actually what their KPIs are potentially, but also what their, what their more kind of nebulous, amorphous strategic targets are perhaps, you, you know, just this kind of higher level, what's, what's their metier, what's their reason for being, um, and beginning to talk about and relate to, relate your needs to their needs and being able to translate between the two. And, and in, in, as you go through that translation process through conversation or through understanding, I think it becomes a process of figuring out where the overlap is and then beyond that, targeting the same thing. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Speak, speaking the same language, you know, making sure everyone agrees that the problem is actually a problem. I, I feel like that's a, a great approach. So you have, you've now, you know, you've convinced your, your peers, your executives, you're, you're going to make a change. One, one thing that I'm always hyper-conscious of as a leader is that um, when you have a large team, especially, change can sometimes bring with it ambiguity or concern um, uh, you know, it can also be seen as a chore to change. Uh, people like the status quo. So, so when you're driving process improvement, you probably are often um, trying to gain employee or team buy-in for your own team. Um, any tips and tricks on, on how to achieve that? My first thought immediately as you were talking was, particularly in a big team, but in any team, in fact, there are going to be people who arrive at the place of acceptance and approval for any change at different rates. There are going to be people who are, you, you know who they are. They're your internal champions. They're the ones who always seem to see things your way, whether they're in your team, they're with you on the journey that you're already on in your mind, let's face it. And this is my, certainly my personal experience. I'm already way on the journey. <laughs> Um, and I have to slow my myself down sometimes because, you know, I am keen to get there. I, particularly, as I was saying, you bring a bunch of experience to any role and I'm really keen to make some changes pretty quickly if I can see really good ROI on them that we were just talking about. Um, but not, every, not everyone A, sees everything in the way you see it <laughs> or B, travels at the same pace as you and probably has some very legitimate concerns because you don't have all the information yet. So I think, I think a big part of this is, is acceptance that everyone is going to arrive at a conclusion, even if it's not the same conclusion as you, at very different rates. And I think once you accept that, you kind of forgive yourself a little bit for not getting immediate buy-in from everyone on the first conversation. Then it becomes a journey for everyone. And I, I, would, I would advocate making use of your internal champions those people who are on board very quickly, they're the ones who are going to help you build momentum. And for me, making particularly quite key, quite painful changes is often about momentum. Because 
the more people understand, then the more people understand. And and the more you talk about what you want to achieve, the more it the more clarity you get to the benefit it will bring. And once people start to see the benefit, then they see less of the pain. And for me, it's about that. It's building that momentum. So identify your internal champions, ensure that you take as many people on that journey with you in terms of like understanding the benefit and, and, and ensuring that you understand the pain that's involved in making this change um, and, and take people with you one at a time. You're not going to get everyone in the first conversation. Yeah, you touched on something there that's that's really important, and that is showing the benefit or describing the benefit to the people's roles. They want to do things that are going to make their lives easier. Uh, I use knowledge bases in this example. There's always an initial pain to building a knowledge base and document that that content, but once it's built, uh, it's pretty easy to show the impact is positive to your support team. Mm. Um, but overall, you know, how do you determine the success of these improvements? Is it is it always metric based, or is there other factors that you take into account? That's a good question, um, and I think sometimes, honestly, the benefit isn't always demonstrable up front either. I, th- I think we we know from experience sometimes that this will get us to a place where we will be we will be able to measure the benefit, but it's not always available as a number, as a percentage, as a number of hours upfront, right? It's um, or as dollar value or whatever. It's just not always there. And those are the harder changes to convince people of, aren't they? I think that, that that's a, a much more difficult conversation where you are just convinced in your own mind <laughs> that something will make something better pretty loosely um, and probably in your mind fairly significantly better, let's face it. Um, but it's it's really hard to find the ROI when it doesn't exist. And I think that the way that I talk about ROI and benefits of change under those circumstances is talk about where I've seen this change be beneficial before, where I've seen benefits from this change before, and the kind of benefits, even though I can't quantify them right now. The second part for me is ensuring that whoever you want to come on this journey with you understands that you are willing for this, for all of that experience that we just talked about, not to apply under these circumstances. So for me, it's about saying, I think this will be of benefit because X, Y, Z. I would like us to try it. And I'm very willing to be proven wrong. Yeah, having those frank discussions up front probably, probably helps your case because you, you know, you're, you're ultimately taking the responsibility if it, if it should fail. And, and I think that's, that's probably very key. Um, so we've now gone through the continuous improvement cycle. We started with identifying the gaps and then planning, getting the buy-in, uh, moving to execute and getting our teams on board and making sure they see the benefits of the change. And then of course, measuring and improving that change. But so maybe let's finish with um, what are trends for the support processes that you think are, are going to be um, necessary for every leader to look at in 2021 and beyond? I think that as we, we think about the, the way language of uh, support has developed and evolved over the last few years, I don't think that we're necessarily going to see a great deal of change. I think support is evolving into a much bigger part of any business's um, function a much bigger part of any business's understanding of how they relate to their customers. Support is becoming 
to all intents and purposes, somewhat synonymous, somewhat synonymous. And I know there are people out there who disagree with this, but I think somewhat synonymous with customer experience because I think support is expanding its remit into, and it's the edges of support are blurring. We're no longer just on the phone answering questions. We're doing so much more around blurring into the lines of success or onboarding and and knowledge management and everything else. We see that all the time. Um, And I think as those edges blur, this becomes much more of a customer experience conversation in a wider sense. Um, So I think that thinking about support as an expanding part of the business, as an expanding remit, is part of where we're moving. But I, I do also think that given the current economic climates and political climates around the world. I think we're going to have to think of that expanding remit and that expanding uh, understanding of support with an eye on efficiency and cost at the same time, which makes this a a real balancing act, I think, for the next couple of years. I think everybody, all, all leaders out there that I am aware of are having these two conversations. How do we improve things for our customers and how do we do it with less? And I guess that's the future of support and maybe that's the history of support as well. Charlotte, that is super insightful. And uh, I'm really happy that you joined us today to share some of that, uh, that perspective. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Craig. And thank you all for listening to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply with today's guest, Charlotte Ward of Snowplow Analytics and CustomerSupportLeaders.com. Make sure to check out our other support interviews and more quality content at NiceReply.com.